They're spooky. They're bitches. They're the spooky bitches of Lubbock. And they're coming to YouTube September 2019. Follow the Spooky Six as they navigate the alternative art scene in Lubbock, Texas. If you love Halloween, art, Lubbock, and the things that go bump in the night, follow the Spooky Six on Facebook and Instagram. They're not basic bitches. They're spooky bitches. Like the boys, <clears throat> and of course, we're well aware that I love the tech. Yes, <laughs> but 
um, it's uh, and and I am not I'm not a young person, and I think those two shows ap- appeal, and I would like to think to a broader age range than than um, than the stuff like this the stuff on the CW. I think they they have their target market, and that's great. Um, but I think the the broader brush. That's why I like those these other two. Okay, Cole, what do you think? I'm, I'm in agreement there. I think that what we have or what is being illustrated in shows like The Boys and The Tick and Amazon, what the hell? Why did you cancel The Tick? But that's enough of that. Um, is that a streaming service like Amazon or Netflix, uh, much like cable in its heyday, and, and in many ways to this day, can have the guts to approach new and different material that would never have been optioned otherwise. Right. I mean, so many things. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, The Boys was optioned for a film that changed hands periodically and died in development hell. You're right, yeah. And... In many ways, I think we're benefiting from that happenstance. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Getting, what was it, ten episodes? Was it ten? I think it was yeah, about average. It was either for, nine or ten, I think, yes. Of this versus a two-hour movie, you would never oh. you would never tell this story in two and a half hours. No, no, good. Well, and the character no. development, too. I mean, and even in the, the peripheral character, I'm sure we're going to go down the character list, but um, the um, – the, the CEO of the was it Vought? Yeah. Yes. Um, Vought, Boy, whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Um, her, you, you didn't get to see just a whole lot of her, but over the over the course of the episodes, you really got that feeling of this is this is somebody who <clears throat> got into this in her youth and her heyday, mm-hmm. and that of course, um, needless to say, she um, she and uh, the, the Superman corollary had a definite definite history, but she's gone on to be human and to age and have and have this uh, uh, human experience where he's he's stuck in time, literally as far as his youth, or at least he's he, he's going to live maybe a thousand years. So <clears throat> they're just at that we're, we're we're meeting them at that divergence point now i think you bring up a very valid point because she is the she has been his foothold to humanity yes and that foothold grows ever slipperier over the years and i think he's resentful of her motherhood he's jealous yeah and he is yet at the same time fascinated because this is one of those types of in one of those circumstances that is so very human. Right, right. Well, plus we, we were also reminded toward the very end, or at least made to understand toward the very end, that he was, he was pretty much raised in a lab because he was a freak show. And so he didn't, he didn't have that human experience. I, ironically, 
I, and and I I definitely appreciated the fact that the the he and the one of the doctors had this conversation, you know you should have been raised by a family who loved you so he could learn empathy and and all that you know he he should have been raised Superman style but right. he wasn't raised Superman style he was raised lab rat style, and in that same episode he finds out that the um, uh, what is it um, Billy's wife. Died delivering his child. Yeah, <laughs> and it just it blew his mind, and all of a sudden you could kind of see in this 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 connection in his face, and he because he asks, "Was it a boy?" Yeah, and you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Now he gets it, <laughs> and it's it's a buck wild ride, you know. And the and and the comic, you know, we're not going to get. I'll get into some of the differences. But I, I don't want to lean too heavily on the comic because you know I've re- while I've read it all, I, Cole. I don't know that even you've read all. No, of it. I, I've I've not read that at all. Yeah, yeah. So you haven't read it. Catherine hasn't read it. So we. I I'm not. not no. I'm not going to sit. You know, I'm not going to talk to. I'm not going to you know, uh, soapbox about the comic. But the comic is more buck wild than the show could ever dream of being, because the comic is as close to. I would say it's definitely rated. If there was a if there was an X rating for comics, <laughs> they would have it. Um, but in the you know in the comic, you don't get the the I I loathe to to say this in this way, but you don't get the quote unquote romance. I, I that's not the right word. You don't get whatever it is that you know what's her what's her face from Voight has with. Um, with Homelander, that it's, it's a relationship. Yeah, let's call it a relationship for whatever that's worth. You don't get that; it's implied. But in the show, they really hit you in the face with it. You yeah, know, they they give it to you in the show. In the in the comic, it's never out and out shown. It's just implied. So I, you know, and I think that that is her control mechanism more so than anything else, because by providing him that nurturing connection to the humanity he otherwise lacks she can still exert some sort of control over him well and i yeah because he's potentially the most dangerous of her menagerie but i also yeah go ahead Catherine. go ahead oh um well i'm and forgive me that the the characters names aren't aren't rolling off my tongue (laughs) but the 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 one the character that isn't Wonder Woman um, does mention that uh, that really is their only weakness is, is people. Yeah, and that's so true. she's utilizing really the only weakness they have over him is um, is uh, the the at least the concept that there's a human connection that actually cares about him. And Catherine, I don't want to get woke here. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to say. I don't want to speak for women everywhere, so I'm glad that you're here. You can do that for me. I'm not going to do it. Um, but there is a point at which she's in this situation with this nuclear bomb, uh-huh. right? And he, the nuclear bomb is a is as much a threat to her as to everyone else that that could be caught in the blast if it decides to go off. Okay. So, Yes, there is a there is a control to manipulate him to her will, but there's also a control to keep her safe. If she yes. if she she is in a hostage situation where she has to maintain this 
this facade of this relationship with him in order to keep herself safe yeah. as well you know regardless of whether she wants to invade foreign soil with a bunch of supers or not she has to right. make sure she stays alive yeah yeah and she she wants a- absolutely in fact uh, and it's it doesn't really need to have need to be a nuclear bomb because because <laughs> there's a lot of of you get the impression that there's a whole lot of behind the scenes shenanigans that he hasn't figured out yet right and once that hits the fan, you, you want to be you want to be in a good place with him. You uh, want to be in front of it, really. Yes, otherwise you're toast. Yeah, yeah. So let's. So you know, the the show takes place in a in in the world of which Hey Kids Comics takes place. Which, and by that I mean, you know, Cole and I have gone out of our way for the past God knows how many years, three hundred and twenty six episodes of the show. <laughs> To, to presuppose a world in which comic book characters would exist side by side with people, what would that look like? How would that affect <clears throat> healthcare and yeah. dentistry and dog hacking <laughs> and whatever? <laughs> and this this show comes as close to presupposing that notion as anything, more so than any of the Netflix shows, I think, because with the Netflix shows, there are you're given rules. You know, yes. Long, long before the show starts, you're given rules. This exists in a world where X, Y, and Z. You know, the whole right. exists. You know, this exists and that exists. So, in the show, in the parlance of the show, there are supers. There are, you know, which is an analog for the Justice League. Right. There are, and then there is this control group called the Boys, <laughs> and the Boys' job is to. Checks and balances, basically. Now, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is in the show, you get this, you know, you get the boys being put together with some sprinkling that there have been iterations of the boys prior to the one we're getting now. Because, right. you know, Mother's Milk knows Butcher, Frenchie <laughs> knows Butcher. Um, in, the, in the comic, they are a staple. Everybody knows the boys in the supers community and in the government, and the boys knows everybody. So okay. they're they're sort of a a you know a black ops organization, you know that doesn't answer to anyone necessarily besides maybe the government on occasion if they get okay. way out of line. That has all these secrets and dirt on all of these superheroes and uses it to manipulate and and you know. Um, but in the show, we don't get that. And I think that the reason is the comic picks up with the boys being already a formed group, already mm-hmm. established. Huey joins the group. That's the first story arc is Huey joining the group. Right. Um, <clears throat> and what's – Catherine, I don't know if Cole clued you in on this, but what's really interesting is in the comic, Huey was the, – the character Huey, the visuals of Huey were based on Simon Pegg. So, oh my God! <laughs> yeah, the the comic every I issue. That. I see that. Yeah, Huey was Simon Pegg. So you get into the show, and I'm like, oh well, I guess it's not Simon Pegg. Well, they needed to be younger. So what they do? They got Simon Pegg to play his dad. And I'm like, that's <laughs> fucking great. I'm like, that is perfect. Um, so run. Let's run down some of the characters, Cole. Okay. Can I, can I make a quick? I'm sorry. Before yeah, no, we no. do that, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but can I make a quick comment? Is, and and this is, 
unfortunately, I have to say this every time, before the writer's strike, Heroes mm. was, my, I, I think, yeah. one of the most perfect examples yeah. of life with superheroes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, we all know what happened, and and the heroes died on the vine, and that made me cry. But, but mm. uh, uh, until the writers' strike, it was one of the best examples of that. I think you are one hundred percent correct. I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and it's. It's so it, it, it suffered so heavily for yeah being effectively interrupted. And, and we're at a point now where it doesn't even enter my mind as a superhero show, and it should because it was a damn fine example yeah. of a superhero show. Yeah, for sure. It was it was brave. There was nothing else on even remotely like it. It was it was really a brave thing to do to put that on TV and execute mm-hmm. it as well as they did. So yeah, you know you're right. Yeah. You're right. So let's talk about some characters, Cole. Absolutely. So I, it's it's difficult to know which direction to go, but I think we need to talk about kind of the uh, the arch nemesis here, the the gang themselves, the boys, uh, Billy Butcher, uh, with a tremendous uh, chip on his shoulder, and, and with good reason, who basically becomes the. Uh, Literally, the, the chip is passed. We find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he has that awesome TV show. I, you don't see a lot in comics, but TV show and movie ability to dismantle an organization <laughs> that I absolutely love. The machinations, that A team machination that just goes in and you can just dismantle something in, the, in just <laughs> the right way. And he has that. You know, that singular drive and focus, which I think is it's very well realized on the on the TV show in the comic. He is what he is. What if Punisher was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That is who he <laughs> yes. is in the comic. Like he is. Yeah. Well, for, from what I've seen in the comic too, the uh, the look of him, it's almost like uh, he has a very Negan-esque, a comic Negan-esque look. Yeah. There are certain artists who can convey that kind of just, you know, raw power in personality through their visuals, and that and it's very much. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah. No, yeah, you're you're dead you're dead to rights. I I really like Carl Urban's depiction of that character. Oh well, you got no complaints with Carl Urban in my book. He's good in anything. Well, I I liked the fact that and in the in the show one of the wonderful things about how the show was written in my opinion is that it also it, it gave so much opportunity for you to fall in and out of love with the characters and switch sides on a dime i found myself rooting for this person and then and then doing a complete 360 and rooting for that person that's good writing in my opinion and i think that he portrayed that character very well and in and, and the times that he was supposed to be sympathetic you you were totally on his side you wanted to give him a, a thermonuclear device and, and let him do whatever he wanted to do and then all of a sudden you wanted him dead <laughs> well you're no you're dead right like if you look at Ellis's other characters right if you look at the Punisher which he had a long run writing it's the same thing, right? You root for him, but you 
but there'll, there'll be the next the next page of the comic. You're like, okay, he's a he's a literal monster. Yeah, a preacher is the same way. Yes, mm-hmm. you know he has a, tapped into a part of the human psyche that understands that character so well. I when I look at comic book writers and creators, I I compare them to um, stand-up comedians, kind of, in my mind, where I look at, like, let's let's call it the trinity of weird from a certain time period, which is is your Alan Moore, your Frank Miller, and your Warren Ellis, like, those three guys, right? Um, It's not, I would call it surreal. Yeah, you get, you you know, your your Frank Miller is like, I, I put him in the same category as Sam Kennison, where uh-huh. <laughs> it's very uh-huh. much shock, shock and awe campaigns. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're shocked into humor. You're shocked into, you know, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's his Batman or his 300 or whatever he's doing. You're just like, <laughs> holy shit. It, ah! It's like the, the THX noise constantly coming at your face. Um, Alan Moore for me is more of an Andy Kaufman. Uh, oh yeah, mm. yeah. It's his own landscape. Um, and you were going to live in that landscape for two hours of a stand-up routine. He's gonna be Mighty Mouse. <laughs> That's right. He's land- he's having fun. Whether you having fun, you really didn't give a shit. But right. he's having fun. <laughs> Whereas a guy like a guy like Ellis is is very much a Lenny Bruce. <laughs> he's going uh-huh, to, uh-huh. he's going to give it to you. You might not like it, <laughs> right? But I guarantee you, nobody at the end of the day is going to say that guy wasn't great at what he did, and and that's that's sort of the way I look at. This. <laughs> Sorry, soapboxy. No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. I, well, we were talking about Huey before, so we might as well talk about him now. Um, Huey is Huey's a really interesting character in that he's got that. You know, he's the new guy. He's the inductee. <laughs> has no background yeah. in spec ops or military or anything. In the comics, he is a hardcore conspiracy theorist that figures it all out. Okay. But okay. they didn't go with that on TV. I, I, I think that it would have been a too much of a red herring type situation on TV to let that go down. You know, um, almost. So, so they went with the you know, a hero worship until you don't anymore angle. Yeah. I think we're well, he, really he's well. the, he's the character that he's the character that is supposed to your, that you as a audience member is supposed to connect to. He's your, he's your portal into this world. And, and you're always supposed to, in, in writing, you're always supposed to have at least one character that your audience can relate to. Exactly. You didn't relate to, uh, I forget the name of uh, Aquaman's analog. <laughs> oh my god! The, the deep, the deep. Uh, are you asking me? I'm just—it was—it was a joke. Of course, you didn't relate uh, to that character. Nobody relates to that character, and if you do, seek what, help. What, what, yes. a, serial, a serial rapist who finally, you know, Fine, ends up in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the ass end of nowhere and being abused by a prostitute. <laughs> Well, what's and, and that's the thing about the the what's their what's their name of their group the 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 seven what was the name of their group? Yeah, I think it was like the seven. Um, 
that's the thing about their group is they're all serial rapists except for the Wonder Woman analog, and she's no angel. Um, yeah. Well, and if anything, uh, Queen Maeve is guilty of extreme complicity. Uh, she's uh, she's no, she's complicit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah there you go. Dreams yeah. and complic- complicity. No, but what? So in the comic, he was that, and this, but they kept everything else basically the same. So, you know, his in the comic, his girlfriend's killed by a train, just like in the TV show. Um, you know, he he gets into it essentially by killing a super, which, um, which I don't think it was translucent in the comic, but the, you know, everything's the same. Once you're in that deep, what are you gonna do? You know, yeah, you're gonna write it out. And you're gonna you're gonna give yourself over to that rage that you have, um, and his relationship with uh, with Starlight was that her name? Yeah, Starlight was the same as well, essentially yeah. the same as well. Um, so yeah, um, it's great. It's great. Well, and I, well, I, let, I, let me ask you. Let me ask you something. <clears throat> as far as um, when when they killed the uh, transparent guy, <clears throat> um, because. Because the, the the person actually ultimately responsible for killing him is our hero, our connection to the the show. Uh, did you miss him for a second? I mean the 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 translate the. I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's name. Translucent. But, translucent. Okay, but translucent was such an unbelievable creep that in the back of your mind. You're going, okay. thank God, we don't have to worry about him anymore. But wasn't that but the, the same about, with all of them? Like, yeah, the thing about it is, he's just the one that's the most in your, or one of the ones that's most in your face. But when you get right down to it, almost exclusively, and I think that that's why uh, Queen Maeve ultimately takes Starlight under her wing, because it's Im- the Im- implication there is... Queen Maeve is no longer going to stand by and let Starlight become what she became. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. To her, uh, you know, false accusations that everyone takes as gospel, uh, the being perved on and effectively date raped. Yeah. Uh, being effectively, uh, you know, marginalized because she's a woman in a locker room full of men i mean look at them they have one bathroom for everybody right right does this tell you about the nature of this organization right right well and i think that when we get into these characters the seven and and the way that they're that they're portrayed you get the idea and, and what else was trying to do with the book was okay in a world with actual superheroes, these people have powers. Um, regardless of how they were given those powers, these people have abilities. Okay, now what what would that look like in the real world? If if, if there were people that had those powers, I I don't know. It's Ennis, not Ellis. God damn it! I'm gonna ask ah. Garth Ennis. I always get him confused. Um. We're going to get letters. Um, <laughs> but what letters? Would... I haven't gotten a letter in ages. Yeah, you remember our fans. There's like one in the Ukraine that yeah. – um, He's but... got a crayon and a stamp, and he's pissed off. Yeah. Um, 
what would this look like in our in our world in our society? Of course, you would have you know it, it, it extrapolated out into you know through a through an extreme pessimistic point of view. Of course, you would have a homelander who has all the power you know as walking the line in between it. The, the Superman character and the character from Brightburn, who's a complete so, you know, socio-psychopath. You would get yeah. this character. You would get a, a Queen Maeve who is forced to live in this this world driven by, you know, uh, super-powered men with all the power of the world to do what they want and has been abused in every possible manner to the point where she's just dead inside. Um, you would and, get... and like all of them, she so wants some sort of connection, but... In each in their own way, with the exception of Starlight, they're grasping at straws of humanity that they don't understand. They've been so insulated uh, f- through the vehicle of Homelander. You get the impression that none of these people, they've all been homeschooled by the man, for one thing. Right. Right. They're all commodities, but they're high on you know, being this this level of celebrity that they have, plus the sort of notion that in the midst of all this, they're doing some good. They've been sold this bill of goods that they're the they're the heroes. They're the ones who are looking out for the world. Well, I mean, Starlight's his stage door mom, has his stage door oh mom. God, does she? And, uh, and she's just been, she's, you, you, we're talking about, you know, uh, somebody raised in the lab. Here's somebody who's been raised as you know. This is, you know, this is this is who you are. This is what you're going to be. And if you if you don't be it, you're a failure. Yeah. You know that whole her, her whole life. And once she gets and, there, and can, it's such an awakening. Well, you can overlook things because yeah. that's all part of. You know, it's okay, honey. It's just part of paying the dues. It's. uh I'm going to go in a deep cut that no one in the entire world will remember. Okay. And, oh, my God, I'm trying to remember. The, there was like a made-for-TV movie, like the uh, they kidnapped Miss World or something like that. And it's basically this, you know, hijackers who hijacked the plane with the beauty pageant on board. Really? And the one stage-door mom that is pressing her daughter to you know, surrender herself to their captors <laughs> in, in the biblical sense. And, you know, that struck me, that that jogged that old piece of ridiculous, why do I still remember this? Mm-hmm. But there it is. That's exactly what her mom was like. It's like, you know, you, you, you do what you have to do because this is your dream. Translation, our dream. Yeah. Or my dream that you're going to fulfill so yeah my vicarious dream <laughs> well, well but it but it also is just kind of a reminder that that uh uh <laughs> and i don't know if you guys have heard this before but your body's your commodity <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh that's uh a, a mentality yeah that's yeah a mentality and uh you know it and what you're Cole's describing play, you know, plays right into that. It's like you only hold you hold one card, and that's it. So play it. And what's interesting is you've got characters like, and, and it's completely different in the comics. Frenchie is like 
an absolute madman. <laughs> like he's he he speaks in a mix of French and English, and he's all over the place. And and you know he he, he there wasn't any you know you owe me money thing happening or any trepidation about joining. He was first in line. Like, you know, like he was absolutely out of control. Um, and, it's like know, in the Kentucky Fried movie, you'll have the chance to kill 50, maybe 60 men. Yeah, you know, it is. Um, and uh, but but they kept Mother's Milk essentially the same, where, mm. you know, he was kind of the voice of of reason throughout the show, where he's the one saying, all right, well, you know, uh, maybe maybe not maybe we shouldn't do this maybe we should think about it first you know might not be the best idea we've ever had to to you know go busted down the front door and and try to get in you know maybe maybe we should really toss this idea around a little bit um which i thought was interesting what they did with frenchie and um the girl which yeah was the room the room girl the, the girl from the room. You mean, you mean the ring? The girl from the, oh, the ring. ring. The ring. I was like, yeah, it's not the ring. <laughs> I know what you were saying. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the girl from the ring. Oh, which, the ring, the room, the you know, whatever. Which is <laughs> which is the true. Roomba. The that's that's a the horror Roomba. movie right there. It's a, it's yeah, it's it's the well, but a Roomba just comes out and. Yeah, just runs just clean, into the wall, and then it goes back inside. <laughs> That's the <laughs> yeah. When it's all done killing, it just parks itself by the door. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Got like knives strapped to it. <laughs> just, just and nobody can figure out if they go three steps down a staircase, they're good. <laughs> Just go around a corner real quick. It'll be about an hour and a half before it makes it there. Right. Um, or, or just get really thick shag carpet near your set. Or, or, or get a really good running leap going. But we, we need to get back to our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of the one of the really interesting differences it, between the comic and the show, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, I think it's better for the purposes of the show, but I really liked it in the comic itself. Was the in the so V compound V played a huge part in both, so it existed in both worlds. It wasn't a MacGuffin or anything like that. It was it was it was something that existed, and in the comic, the boys took it to fight the seven. Oh, okay. Oh, did they get superpowers as a result of it? They got they didn't get superpowers superpowers because in order to get like superpowers you have to it, it's it's a by birth you know oh a genetic thing you gotcha. had to start out in the womb right but they got um like super strength and and super you know like like fair like kind of let's say a captain america level stuff right where you get the strength and, and kind of the invulnerability um so you could kind of hold your own in a in a tete-a-tete with a homelander for a few minutes or with an A train for a few minutes versus just being a normal guy trying yeah. to figure it out. Now I get why they didn't do it in the show. Yeah. You know? uh, and they also didn't play out one of my favorite storylines, which was Huey. There was a guy called the, what was he called? Oh, I got to look him up because it's the guy that Huey kills in the book. Um, it, it, he takes the, he, he, he had, 
gets the V administered to him and you know doesn't understand the 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 strength or the width and breadth of his abilities mm-hmm. and punches straight through him oh. unintentionally killing and it's like the something cock of course because why wouldn't it be it's garth yeah, Ennis. yeah. <laughs> um but continue going i need to find this i need to find this uh i need to find this okay absolutely well i think that um well, for one thing, any adaptation begs for a reconfiguring or re- retooling of what was there. Otherwise, it borders on either self-limiting or, especially in a case like this where you're trying to uh, tell this narrative in ten episodes, you need to to change the way you arrive at certain particular points. And... Uh, so, you know, granted, I'm not burdened by the knowledge of having the source material in my mind, but at the same time, I, apart from the Andromeda strain, I've never encountered anything that was adapted and was almost verbatim. Right. And I think they did a better job. By the way, the, the guy's name was Blarney Cock. Oh, God. Oh my the Blarney Cock. Um, the Blarney Cock, by the way, um, had a hamster taped inside his ass during that fight in the comic. So if you think the show was wild, <laughs> literally in the comic book, um, later to come back as a zombie through the V, um, bringing him back to life, um, uh, demanding to know where his hamster was, um, that is something <laughs> that happened in the book. The book is a wild, wild <laughs> read. If you like the preacher if you like you know transmetropolitan and that type of you should definitely read it because it is it is uh if you have a strong stomach for comics <laughs> you should you should definitely uh pick it up and read it um no well, so the blarney stone is supposed to give you the gift of gab what is the blarney <laughs> what is the blarney cock supposed you to know do? i wish i could tell you <laughs> It, no, it gives you the, uh, the gift of pillow talk. Right. Oh, my. <laughs> it gives you the gift of stab. Stabbed him guts. Um, damn it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Can we can we spend some time talking about the deep? Sure, oh, why we, not? We absolutely have to because, among other things, you you have a wonderful journey of the character from Aquaman as an asshole to this desperate need to become a more sympathetic character and you know ultimately becomes one of the more sympathetic characters in the series you know you you can never quite walk away from what he's done but at the same time he uh he he kind of uh, is, is he wants so much to be to redeem himself? I guess you'd say, and yeah. in so doing, does, he's does he want to redeem himself? I mean, I think he does, but he's the the nature of his redemption is through trying to become more a champion of those that only he can understand. The dolphin seed, Jesus. Yeah, oh my God. It just came back to me. It all just came rushing back. Poor misguided attempts to 
become something greater. <laughs> well, and and, and the, yeah, and, and trying to liberate the dolphin, and then the the just the when his uh, attempt to liberate the lobster at the grocery store also fails miserably. Yeah, what was what was um, my take was so, and this doesn't necessarily because the comic, the deep in the comic was completely different than the deep in the show. Okay. So the deep, the take in the deep in the comic kind of stops at the Aquaman analog. Yeah. Right? Still a dick, but every <laughs> every superhero in the show is a dick besides Starlight. Um, so you you can't really compare that in the in the. In the TV show, I, my take on the character was that he was trying to – he was that guy, you know, if you if you were watching um, a, a 50 – he was Fredo. You know, he was the, <laughs> he was the guy in the – he was the guy in the, in the gang, you know, the white <laughs> – in the white T-shirt gang that was trying to, to get recognized, you know, yeah. like like – yeah, cut him, boss. Like that guy. Like mm-hmm. that's who he was. So you give him you. He was the new guy for a really long time. Well, they bring in somebody new. So this is his chance to flex those seven muscles, you know, <laughs> that he's seen done so many times and has been done to him. You know, yeah. So and, and sort of like this is my turn. Yeah. So this is the what we do, right? Until until that's no longer, you know, until he's until he's outed as that. It, it's. I'm not saying he's a sympathetic character. He's a dick, right? But I think that was the direction they were trying to take. It was he was this, you know, he was this guy. He was the new guy. He was trying to, you know, get popularized. It was his turn. It's, it's basically like the, uh, you know, the seniors in the frat who are still channeling their freshman year in the frat. Right. Right. And, and so he was. So, you know, but obviously he wasn't as adept at his turd as everybody else was, you know, <laughs> at manipulation and, and being that asshole. You know, my favorite thing was, where did they send him? Oh, to Akron? Was yeah. it? No, no. No. Was it Akron or... Uh, no, it. it was up near the, the theme park. It was right up... Uh, um, God, why can't I think of well, it? Well, they said it was on Lake Erie. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like four hours from here, if I drive <laughs> Um, it's, it's on the lake. It's, it's where a bush, you know, it's, it's where the, the theme park is up there. I, and I can't, for the life of me, think. Yeah, because Akron is mentioned as, as being the, the dangerous town, the high crime yeah. town. By yeah. By comparison. Which is where I, I go to do, I work there sometimes it's it is and that's funny that's the joke is that it's accurate um but yeah like that's the ultimate insult to him is to be the the coast guard of superheroes (laughs) and have to work on the lake because that's all that's up there or a bunch of coast that's the coast guard training facilities are up around you know that area of cleveland and over into um and, and over into that area so i thought that was really funny and then he and then he liberates the and I do think that once, you know, I think you're both right. So I think Catherine's right in the, in the sense that I don't think – I think he's viewing this as his chance to get back in the spotlight, right? And and, and, yeah. and re, rebuild his brand. But I also think yeah. Cole's right in the sense that once removed from – one, you know, it's that, yeah, it's that weird 80s Yeah, all the bad influences arc. are gone. 
Yeah, it's that weird 80s arc that you see in the movies where you take the bad boy and, you you know, you put him in the small town, you know. And, yeah, you take yeah. the gangster and you drive him to, to wide spot in the road and all of a sudden he wants to be a farmer. Yeah, it's shitty Footloose. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, so I think that I both that. I think both sides of those that coin is correct. I really liked what they did with the character development with him. Like you hated him at the beginning, and by the end you were feeling sorry for him. Right. Yeah. You were definitely feeling sorry for him once once you know it, it all went down. You were just like, ugh, I. I feel I feel bad on the inside. Of this guy. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I've got nothing to add. I think you summed it up perfectly. <laughs> well, Catherine, before the show, you were saying that you wish they would have developed. Um, uh, what's the what's the character? Because the character isn't even in it long enough for me to really, you know, get high Are you and mighty. About the director of the director of the of Vite or no, um, Black Noir the. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Oh, I think Black Noir. You know, the, the – uh, I – giving – giving having giving it some thought, um, I think that the impression that I got from the Black Noir character was <laughs> if the, they, they tiptoed around him because he was the one individual who would have left them in a heartbeat – Without a moment of regret, and they had such a tenuous, tenuous hold on him that uh, even even when um, uh, you know he called the meeting and they were he was chewing everybody out, it's like you know you've all been awful, not you, but the rest of you have just been horrible, <laughs> you know, and they, they they won't even they won't scold him or or cross him in any way. Um, they're I think not because they're afraid of him. Because they're afraid that he will detach and go do his own thing, and uh, maybe take some of their spotlight. You think? I think that what they're doing is they're setting up season two. Ooh. Because I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the comics, he has a bigger role later than he does early. They did a they did a decent job with keeping him mysterious. You know, yeah, Bat- I Batman esque. I got the feeling also that he. Um... You know, he's he's the one who, by his very nature, is avoiding the spotlight. He he's there to do a job, and he's like the only professional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's the crime fighter. You know, he's he's oh. got a job to do, and he's going to do it. But I also yeah. think that they wanted to keep him, you know, as mysterious as possible in in terms of like keeping him as as Batman as you can. Okay. Okay. Where, you Plus, know, he doesn't. Batman doesn't walk the day, so to so to get him there at three o'clock in the afternoon, that's asking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that they did a good job of establishing the mystery, you know, because <laughs> because they they talk directly to him, you know, but he's never really involved. Right. right. So so he's he's removed. Um. But I do think they're setting up a season two where he's going to play a much larger role than he did in season one. I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm not going to say any more about because it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> um, nope. 
you can't yeah. you can't yeah, know don't, anything else. I don't else. want to know in advance. So, so like, what was your favorite Catherine like part of like like story arc? Whose story arc was your was your favorite in the show? Oh man, um, I guess main main character wise, it was Starlight, hands down. Okay. Okay. Um, background character had to be. Um, <laughs> like Cole, like Cole says, the 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 gal from um, <laughs> the the ring. Or <laughs> I can't remember her name, but but I I uh, I really wanted to to get to know more about her. But the fact is, I was really proud of the writers for not telling me more about her because how in the hell they're is anybody going to know any more about her? She probably doesn't know much about herself. So, so to uh, to have the writers reveal it one way or another, even in a flashback, which I abhor, um, would be cheating. So, but but I love that character, that that sub that background character. But yes, I guess in answer to your question, Starlight's journey, I appreciated the most. I, I did like the the. And they and they basically either just refer to her as the female or the girl, throughout uh-huh. throughout a lot of the, the the show and the comic for that matter. Um, she, um, I really liked what they did with her and Frenchie. I thought that was good. You know, I, I thought it. I thought in a way it mimicked um, what they did with Starlight and Maeve, where you had that on either side, like. You're going, you know, you have these powers and these abilities. I've seen it go bad so many times. Mm-hmm. Here's an opportunity to, to A, redeem myself for all the shit that I've done, and mm-hmm. B, save somebody from that life. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I agree. Cole, what about you? Well, I really quickly, I want to touch on one aspect of the life of these supers because they are volatile celebrities, even more volatile than regular celebrities, because, you know, if, especially if in mass, they all decided to go nuts, they could destroy the world. Right. And the, the club that Billy gets them into where they can go get the, uh, Oh God. Yeah. Get the dirt on stretch Armstrong there. And uh, they, uh, what that speaks of is something that's just sort of winked at, that, you know, we kind of know what's going on, but what can you do? And it's almost akin to, you knew this was coming, in Watchmen, where Laurie <laughs> describes herself as being sort of the the booty call for the atomic bomb. Right, right. That. You know, you've got to let these guys let their hair down and and do the things that just come naturally to them, no matter how perverse. And that has to be done in the darkness and, and behind yeah. the scenes and the shadows. But it's in 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 and of itself, it becomes its own ticking time bomb. Right. Right. But it also becomes the tremendous leverage that they're able to use. Um. And then one other thing I wanted to touch on really quickly was the Translucent's death because they managed to convey that he deserved to die, not necessarily, but 
just because all he can do is turn invisible and he's invulnerable doesn't give him a pass because he certainly I'm reminded of a Steve Martin comedy special in the eighties where he's like thinks he's been able to turn invisible. He's talking about all the things he could do, like fight crime or be a super spy. And then the last thing is him, you know, sneaking into the uh, girls yeah. locker room. Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly what human nature would dictate. And, uh, you know, he's just a dick among dicks. So even though his death is by the most tragic possible means, it's, uh, you, you're lacking in the sympathy you feel you should have for somebody just getting murdered. Yes. Uh, and as, <clears throat> as far as the, the hero, the journey, I really think our our hapless hero has, I mean, you know, granted, he is, is effectively the principal character, but at times you wonder, is it really his story that's being told here? Or is it more Billy's story? Or is it more Starlight's story? A lot of characters very heavily share the stage which is difficult to pull off and brilliantly realized but I think with him you see you know here's a guy whose entire world is turned upside down by the very people he's idolized right in his youth uh, the very people probably meant to idolize I mean that's the whole idea but he's suddenly confronted with the concept that they don't really give a damn about the yeah. people that supposedly protect, and then he meets. Well, he, I, I think his his, his, um, his mourning, his very genuine mourning over the loss of his girlfriend, is compounded by his perceived betrayal. Yeah, that's that's a very good way to put that. And then, you know, along comes Billy Butcher, finding a ready-made new inductee into his little group. Right. You know, here's a guy that should absolutely hate on the level that I hate. And it, he becomes very frustrated that this isn't Billy Butcher Jr. He isn't going to step into that mold mm -hmm. and reshape himself fully. And he rides a very thin line between being, you know, being conscientious and being human and becoming a monster of vengeance right right and and he's billy's already far gone way past that and um uh, well, he's his, just in his, infecting other people his murder of psychic guy is uh, proof of that yes well and again i i can't you know in the comics and i don't know whether they're going to do it in the show so if this is a spoiler i i won't even say it but in the comics he <laughs> is he is pretty much a monster like he is tame by comparison in the show in his um all-out war against supers like mm. he he is the punisher character they they kill his family and he loses it and all of them must go one way yeah. or another they all have to go and all of his manipulations are to put them in a place where he can get to them and hurt them um, and the ones that can't be hurt physically, he hurts them in any other way he can figure out how to hurt them. Um, but in the – I have a special place in my heart, and I don't know whether it's the comics or the show. I think both did a really good job with the character. I have a really special mm -hmm. place in my heart for Mother's Milk. <laughs> yeah. Um, only because, like, he's he's the only one in the show with stakes at this point. 
I guess yeah. Huey is at, at some level because of his dad, you know, but, you know, they really play up Mother's Milk Steaks in the show. He's, I think we're supposed to relate to Huey. I think we're supposed to relate to, to Starlight a lot. But at the end of the day, I think that I relate more to Mother's Milk than anybody because he's the one with his, his you know, his family, young family, that's right. in danger because of, because of Billy, because of home, because of the world that has grown around his family. And he got out. You know, he's the guy that got away from it to raise his family and got drawn back into it. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing is, to speak to what you were saying, Cole, doesn't it mimic – and this is the part that I, I thought was really interesting was the story that – you know, the, the situation that you were explaining and the situation of Butcher putting the boys back together in some way, shape, or form mimics what the Seven is doing, where – you are manipulating this kid into joining your mm-hmm. ranks. You're bringing right. You're bringing yeah. Frenchie back in. You're bringing Mother's Milk back in. You are you're building your army through this through through manipulation through um, you know sleight of hand and, and and coercion and you know pseudo emotional blackmail to do exactly what they're doing. And that that struck me as interesting too. Is that you know the most hate you know your most hated enemy you're you're absolutely using the same tactics to build this army to take them down right. um, one person we haven't touched on is uh susan rayner who is the cia person oh good night yes because yeah that's a that's a terrific character mm-hmm. talk about a rock in the hard place character <laughs> she is 100 percent that character she's she's more so than um more so than uh oh what's her name god why can't i ever remember um the the main ca- the 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 void uh the void yeah oh the ceo i i i don't remember her name either yeah i can't i can never remember who you know her name but um but more so than even her he is he is a a she you know he, that character is up against it. Elizabeth Shue plays her. It's um, Sitwell. That's right. Or uh, Still, yeah. Stillwell. Sitwell is from uh, the Bourne movies. <laughs> Stillwell. Um, she, um, even more so than her, um, Esposito, she's up against it. She has nowhere to turn. She's got Billy Butcher breathing down her neck on one side and 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 Voight breathing down her neck on the other, and that cannot be an easy place to live. Yeah, yeah, that was a good character. They did a really good job with her too. I, I everybody Absolutely. in the show they didn't they didn't miss a beat with I any of these characters. Wonderfully written, really. I, I really did. I, I I if they're doing a second season, I'm excited because because if they can get that same round of writers, then um, I. I can hardly wait. <laughs> what do you What do you want to see? So we're we're getting up against it. So okay. right. what do you want to see in the second season? Because you saw the first season, you know, you saw how it unfolded. You 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 realized that you know the big reveal that all these superheroes that exist were were treated with V, compound V, and that's how they got their powers. They aren't from space or you know whatever. Yeah. They're 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 man made superheroes. They're they're products of of government. You know, in the comics, it was Nazis 
Well, <laughs> of course it was. I'd like to see more of the Queen story. Um, I'd like to see more of her. What was it? Queen um, Mav. Or Maeve. Queen Mav. Yeah. yeah, Maeve. Yeah, Queen Maeve. I'm from the I'd like. I'd deal. like to see uh, more of her story. And uh, I, I'd also like to see her kind of have a, bit, a little bit of a. Uh, you know, not necessarily a midlife crisis, but but just kind of a, a, a coming of age point where she's maybe thinking about going off and doing her own thing for a while. And the thing is, is she's power enough, powerful enough to where, you know, even if they tried to blackmail her or put her in some controlling spot, she could probably still get away from them if uh, she wanted to. And I'd, I'd kind of like to see something like that out of her. Um, and uh, I would also like to see uh, – I, I can't imagine that the uh, the U.S. is the only, you know, only country that has something like this. Right. And I would like to see – uh, China's version of it, or Russia's version of it, or, or you know, Africa's version of it. Um, it's. Uh, I think that would be very intriguing. Okay. Yeah, somebody else would have to have you know wanted to jump on that bandwagon in some way or form. And uh, I definitely want to see more of. And I, it sounds like we're going to see more of our uh, our Batman analog, whose name escapes me. Yeah, uh, te- or, uh, mid Black Noir, Black Noir. Yeah, Black Noir, and uh, to see exactly what he's up to, um, I think that trying to seed the rest of the world with supers is going to blow up. I'd like to see that that ultimately be the the kind of downfall that our agent, uh, our government agent, really wants to see, um, because. It begs the question of, you know, like Catherine said, what are what is China's version? What are the UK's version of these yeah. things going on? It, it can't solely be, uh, you know, somebody's going to want to at least attempt to arrive at something along those lines. So uh, the, uh, you know, I think that that's going to beg the question of why have we not seen this before this point? And why is the only time we've seen another a non-American super um, be a terrorist threat? Right. It's right. just sort of like, well, it's funny that all of these guys are, um, you know, uh, God's gift to America. But, you know, it's not it can't be lost on 100 percent of the population that they're all owned lock, stock and barrel by a corporation. Right. Yeah, and and I, if also something that just crossed my mind is so you're asking what what would Catherine like to see? Catherine would like to see the fact that uh, you know you injected these kids with with the superpower juice and then you, you you see what you end up getting. I'd like to see some duplicates. I'd like to see more than one invisible guy. I'd like to see. More than one girl that yes. can do this, or guy that can do that. I'm with you there because that happens all too often. Uh, and you know, it, it's basically what I would call the X-Men syndrome, where almost exclusively, it's the land of one-offs. 
Yes, yes. It is like one-off central. I mean, with the exception of uh, Magneto hauls off and has some kids, and one of them has magnetic powers, or, you know, was that his kid? But, you know, with the exception of Polaris, Magneto was it. There was nobody, like, with half-assed magnetic powers, or you didn't get, like, uh, uh, what was the name of that thing with the metal shavings and the magnet? Yeah, it's... But yeah, you know what you, you know. know what so I'm like saying. all it's like, like attract metal shavings to their face, like that Harry Larry or whatever that thing was called. <laughs> that old game with the uh, the the metal shavings in a in a in a paper. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like, you have a magnet and you make him. Yeah, yeah like, and that's, that's, that's all that he could do. Old school toy. That that's that's. Uh, His sole capability is to. Uh, uh, you know, attract metal to his face. Do you, do you recall? Now, this is this is this is a deep cut, and you'll you'll need a, a shovel. Well, I'm I'm gonna wait till Andy can join us because I, I'm gonna ask Andy this. I'm back. I'm back. I'm good back. now. Okay, you're back. Yeah. Okay. This is here's a here's an unbelievably deep cut. Okay. Do you remember the series of books? Um, and it, it was a, a, a card, like a, a playing card theme, um, where, where it was, it was about a world of, with, in, with superheroes in it, and you had, um, you had, uh, what, what were called, uh, jokers and aces. So it, it was just a, a luck of a draw. You either had, um, you ended up with a great superpower, like you could fly or something like that, or you ended up with just something that was, was, oh, was, was uh, it was the wild cards. It was wild cards. Wild cards. The wild cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd like to I'd like to see something along those lines. But again, um, like I was telling, talking with Cole, I want to see some duplicates. I want to see six or seven different people, um, who can do the same thing, and I want to see them either compete with each other or inspire each other. It's like, well, I was given that same gift, and this is what I did with it. Because be cool. uh, yeah. that would that would be awesome. It's like oh you know you can <clears throat> oh you know oh you know oh you can you know touch something and, and have it be cold. And it's like well you fight crime, but I mean I can <laughs> I can I can go and I can you know do do charity work and I, and this is this is all the stuff that I can do with this power that makes life better for people. And and it's like huh, take. You know, take that guy who works in the bar and chills drinks, you know. Right. <laughs> well, also, um, I think there's at least the slightest suggestion, probably accidental, because it's the trap that they always fall into is, you know, the one you're talking about where it's like power one-offs. Mm. And uh, what I think is really cool is to uh, – is that they, there's at least the suggestion, probably again accidental, that there are the the baby, the weaponized baby, you know, the shake and bake that they use to uh, escape the lab. Oh my! That had the uh, the laser eyes going on, and I think that at least that was, suggests, a, wild, that was a wild scene. That was. That was. That was. And just the fact that they were vaporizing people in the most grotesque and terrible way. It, it uh, didn't pull any punches. No, it did not. I, uh, but the thing about it is that that at least suggests that there's 
a baby coming down the pipeline with at least some of Homelander's powers. Well, I, I, I want to know Cyclops to to speak to um, you know Catherine's point that she was making. You know what happens to all of these? What they have to exist, right? The 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 people that were treated with V that do not get the the power set. Well, yeah, your right. your chroma peas, for example, who can change the color of their urine at will to uh, sure. utilize the character that Steve had come up with like thirty something years ago. <laughs> what happens to them? Is there a you know is there a graveyard somewhere that if they don't yeah. make the cut they have they end you know like in this world I wouldn't put it pa- you know what I mean I wouldn't put it past something like that happening so yeah. I I don't think that was ever explored in the comic I would like to see it explored that's one of those things that I, that would be really cool to see that re- oh. that reminds me well, there was a well, that would be, that, oh, wait, that would be uh, um d- depending on at what point they determine that you're a total loss. I mean, okay, okay, follow me for just a second. So, and, and somebody who makes movies, write this down, okay? Uh, um, maybe it, it might be possible that it, you have to wait until puberty, and, and some some writers do this, where where you you don't really know when your superpower is going to manifest. So you're not going to know within the first few years, you know, what you're going to end up getting. Sure. And then, so by the, you got to wait until they're maybe 13, 14, 15 years old to see if, if it's, it's going to be something or nothing. And, and if that's the case, um, you've got a whole nother, you got a whole nother movie of the week with, um, the, the kids who figure out that if they're, their power is subpar, they may end up in, you know, in the back 40 without a stone to their head right? and, and they escape. And you've got this whole subculture of, uh, of less than impressive heroes. And, but if they can do that without making it a comedy, um, <laughs> I think, it yeah. would, uh, I think it would be pretty intense. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, it does because, you know, from the standpoint of them being a commodity, mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, you know, in, in, in the corporate farm, the chickens that don't produce get the axe. Right. Their lunch. Uh-huh. Exactly. And so, you know, you would be uh, sort of obliged to pull your weight by virtue of what you what God gave you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we got to wrap or this else. bad boy up, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm I, having fun. I want to end on my favorite, my favorite world building scene in the entire um, show, and it's, it was a nothing. It was a throwaway unless you really looked at it. There okay. was a scene in the show where they were trying to decide what to do. The seven were trying to decide what to do. The boys were coming down real hard on them and they were trying to, you know, uh, blackmail and the whole nine yards. Right. And they were trying to Mm -hmm. make a decision. Um, And there was a hostage situation in a high rise. And on the scene, Maeve goes to Maeve was Maeve was the, the one that got the call to go, you know, whatever by the PR people or whatever and go handle it. So she's there handling it. You know, she shows up on the scene and the guys are shooting at her and she's taking it. Well, Homelander 
ends up there. Do you remember the scene I'm talking about? Where he just shows up. Yeah. There's like 25 guys with heavy artillery. (laughs) And the the two of them are just going through handling it while they're talking about strategizing what they're going to do about this situation. And yeah. it's a throwaway scene that you can you, you can say was to build exposition, right? Right. But in that, you know, I think that was a really interesting telling scene because, you know, they're talking openly about their plans and what they're going to do. These guys are going to die. They're yeah. not going to live. They're collateral damage. They're, it was decided before they went into the building. That they're going to die. They're now privy to all this information that, that they're not going to make it out alive with. And, you know, just the nonchalance of what is happening, the foregone conclusion, the fact that there is no supposition that anything else is going to happen besides these guys are going to be done and they're going to walk away and they're just going to have these casual conversations while they're going through and just, you know, abject murdering, cutting people in half with laser eyes and punching people through walls and whatever else. Yes. Um, was for, for me, the most, one of the, one of the most interesting world building scenes in the entire show. And, and again, yeah. it can just go right by you. It's, Oh, they're just explain. you know, this is a clever way for them to let you in on the story as it unfolds, or this is the world they live in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was this is standard it, issue stuff. Yeah, it was. Well, it worked and on a lot two of levels. it, a lot of it felt like Kingdom Come. E, yep. Yeah. In yeah. a big way, and I want to touch on one other thing that I'm so glad floated back to the top of my brain is the hijack, the airline hijack. Oh, you're. you're that's what I was gonna bring up as my favorite scene. But you go. You go. <laughs> no, I just that spoke everything you need to know about the nature of these characters of these heroes these so-called heroes and you know if if things go straight to hell it wasn't us it was the bad guys something the bad guys did and it's all you know who would doubt homelander right and you know it was made the more touching by mave wanting to save at least one person yeah and that being refused because that alters the narrative. We can't say this if one person survives. Yeah, it can't. can't, it can't. <clears throat> and she and I think she comes to the realization where, you know, if, if this if these kids survive this, they're gonna be they're gonna be buried in secrecy yeah. the rest of their lives. Or they're, they'll they're, be a, or she'll be assassinated or yeah, you know the. The narrative has to be preserved, and it was, you know, it just added that layer of tragedy to the fact that, you know, you knew everybody was going to die for their, to, to protect the big business, right. the business of superheroes, right. and that, you know, and I think, again, that is part of where I come into the deep seeking some sort of redemption, because he knows damn well what he found. Yeah. In the middle of the ocean with that plane. Yeah. And that, you know, I think, let's say that one of the things I'd like to see is a, a kind of turning of the seven on their own because, you know, uh, Homelander has been the bully leader and just sort of, you know, if you're 
there, there's always that impending threat that he can destroy absolutely every one of you. Right. Right. And right. would without even giving it a second thought because he's that insulated from reality. And and you start, and you really start wondering if uh, if it's in your best interest to be to get away from him because maybe out of sight out of sight out of mind if you're not around and he's not seeing you and interacting with you he's not perceiving you as a threat he's got bigger fish to fry yeah. and uh, that might be you know your best bet is just to stay off his radar that's a good point like he doesn't you know he he's so self-absorbed that he doesn't even care if if he, if he doesn't if you're not standing in front of him right why would he you know, why would he perceive you as anything? Right. I don't, you know, you don't think about the gnat that's flying around next door. He's Mm-mm. not going to think about you living in Montana on a ranch somewhere. Right. Unless you make right. trouble for him. If you can be that next door neighbor that's quiet and keeps to themselves, you can do pretty much anything you want to. That's valid. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. Well, let's plug this up and get out of here. Shall All we? righty. Okay. Well, that Catherine, was fun, it fellas. Thank you. So much of a pleasure. You know, again, I, I don't, I try not to speak for all women, so <laughs> I am what they call unqualified. Um, but I give, I give you cred. I'm glad that you really liked the show. Anybody who, anybody who liked this show, um, I would really suggest reading the books because they are wild in ways that this show could never get away with ever ever but the show did a pretty good job in coming as close as it could so and i i'm really proud that there are so many shows right now some of them are great some of them are awful but that are that are really drawing attention to comics um i don't think they're intended to replace comics i i i would like to see them as the best marketing possible for comics so i'd like to see the comics industry grow as a result of of all the attention that they're getting with the characters these days because i uh, there's nothing will ever really replace the the printed artistic work that our comics are i couldn't echo that more that's perfect i think that that's the best way we could possibly end this thing so now i'll turn it over to cole (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're coming to you from the Jedi Cole universe at JediCole.com, and you can write to us at jcmail at yahoo.com, and uh, be sure and check out my other podcast, my live streaming podcast, first and third Sunday of every month at dallasonair.com, 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. Central on the, uh, well, I did that wrong, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. Central for the uh, twice a month show, first and third Sundays of every month. Uh, that is the Ranch Corps Pit Live with uh, myself, Eddie Medina, and our own Talk Lord of the Sith, Zach Schroeder. And on the first, sorry, make that the third Sunday of every month, my other show, Isle of Toys, that's A-I-S-L-E, Isle of Toys, uh, which is my uh, show where myself and usually a guest talk about all kinds of things, toys. And I really love that I've been able to challenge myself and find guests that are really big fans and collectors of toys I don't personally collect and often don't have a great familiarity with. It's a great show. It really is. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Like it's, it fills a, it fills a void that absolutely needs to be filled and you do a great job with it. And I'm not just saying that because you're, I don't know. 
But I'm also very much inspired by this show in that there are so many comic shows out there, but when I've talked to people about it, they're like, wow, that's not what I was expecting from a comic book podcast is, you know, we're throwing out all kinds of different themes and sometimes desperately seeking a connection with comics, sometimes finding (laughs) more connection than we know what to do with. But we're looking at comics in a new way, not just saying, oh, here's the, you know, I just read the J.J. Abrams' god-awful Spider-Man story or something like that. (laughs) I I saw part of an online review. I am not a fan. Yeah, no. From what I know (laughs) about it, I am not a fan. (laughs) 100% true. Um, You can find us on the socials at HK Comics Show. And a big apology to Garth Ennis. For me calling you Warren Ellis, though I don't think that he would have a problem with the uh, corollary, <laughs> but I apologize. Um, <laughs> with that being said, um, join us next week for more Hey Kids Comics or tonight when we go get fourth meal um, with, Gene, <laughs> with Gene Hackman. <laughs> for, that should be a web show. Fourth meal. That's it right there. Just fourth meal with Gene Hackman. And yeah, it's a fourth meal with Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper where we just sit in a Taco Bell <laughs> and uh, I cry while they yell. And Michael, Michael Keaton shows up. He doesn't know he's there. He's on it. He's still doing a tracking shot from Birdman. That's why. This is uh, where, where, where do I get the Big Mac here? <laughs> here. here. Is, it, is this the Big Mac place? I leave sure. my wallet on the counter <laughs> three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't need it. And he just walks out. Yeah. <laughs> this used to be a Hardee's. I think I left my jacket here. <laughs> just walk, just walk. Do you remember when this was a burger chef? And then just walked out? <laughs> like, what? God, I miss burger chef, too. That was a great. Man, those were good. What happened to burger chef? Cole, can you cover what happened to Burger Chef on Isle of Toys, please? I I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. This Burger is text. Chef. We didn't get Burger Chef. The only Burger Chef we ever had down here was that damn video game. Just, that was Burger Time. And when I went to Burger <laughs> Chef, I yelled it was Burger Time. I was like seven, so I didn't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's a joke I can't even lie about because I love had, Burger we Chef we too much. Big boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, big yeah, boy. Yeah. Giant diabetic statue on the front door. <laughs> <laughs> do you call what do you call it down there? Kip's big boy. Well, we don't call it uh, anything. Depending on where you were in Texas, yeah. uh, here in our immediate area, we grew up with Kip's. But when we uh, when my family would go down to Houston, we discovered there is Shoney's Big Boy. Oh, okay. Uh, there's also Bob's Big Boy and uh, Batman's Big Boy. <laughs> yeah, we got the Frisch's Big Boy up here. Okay. okay. Frisch's. Um, 1954, uh, Burger Chef started in Indianapolis, Indiana, and expanded throughout the United States. It had a hundred. It had a thousand fifty locations by 1973. Um, it slowly sold out to Hardee's, and um, the final restaurant um, closed in 1996. Oh, 1996. Um, wow. I'll make sure I send you some um, some of the material. It was great. It was gr- it was really really good. Like like it made it it was it made it made me happy. 
and it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore, and that makes me sad. All right. <laughs> all right, so join us next week for more Hey Kids Comics. Buy, collect, enjoy your comics. Uh, buy all of Garth Ennis' comics to make up for my horrible, horrible mistakes. Say goodnight, <laughs> everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody.